Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to a, another installment of Two Legs. This is episode number 222. Yes, you heard that right. 222, as in the song On Memory Almost Full, which my friend here on screen said he just loves that song, and uh, we'll get to him in a second. Um, my name is Andy Nichols. I'm one of the co-hosts of Two Legs, and you're going to notice that uh, my other co-host and partner in crime is not here today. Uh, so filling in for him, uh, Mr. Tom Honyati, is the one of the original co-founders of Two Legs, Mr. David Gargolino. Welcome, David. Hey, Andy. How's it going? Very good, and uh, thanks for um, you know pitch hitting for uh, your cuz and stepping, in, stepping up to the plate this week. Happy to help. Yeah, and you are watching at home, folks. Uh, it is football season, so yes, that's why we're rocking the Giants. They are playing later today. By the time this goes out, I'll either be angry or happy. <laughs> Probably angry, given on how week one went. But we are happy, and I know that um, David's got Detroit on the background, right? Our, yeah. You know, a big yeah. Lions fan with that week one win over Kansas City. Good on you guys. And, of course, you know, you, were, have, a, you have a coach who was a giant, so that's why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm happy for the fan base. I've always been a Fairweather fan because he couldn't be so emotionally involved without being depressed all those years but i'm happy yeah. for the team yep so um well, on today's show we're going to kind of just do a little bit of a, a little bit of everything we're going to talk about david's background his interests and then really kind of just talk about like favorite uh, lineups of mccartney that he's had over the years um nothing really too focused just something you know just to kind of catch up with david it's been a while he has been on two legs uh you know previously on some shows we've done some live things we've done but he actually hasn't been on proper probably in a long since I've been a part of it probably in a couple two, a while. two years I think we did the McCartney three album review with we Dylan did. with Dylan and we did so yeah it's it's good to have you back on again so um, thank you David why don't you give everybody who might be new to the channel a little bit of back your backstory on um, you know your fandom um, oh, wow. linking up with Tom and uh, you know how you guys started the show it's uh, a lot. If you, can, if you can condense it. <laughs> oh, my Beatle fandom goes back to God, as far as I can remember, maybe three or four years old, discovering my mom's chipmunk sings the Beatles. So I played the crap out of that in my little play school record player. And then I got into an Elvis phase, which I'm kind of swinging around back into it now. But so from like age five to like nine, my parents were like, why does he like Elvis? And then, but the Beatles were kind of like always in the background of my life, you know, through my dad and all that. And then the anthology came around in 95 or the BBC sessions. I was kind of aware of when I was like 10 or 11 years old. So that was kind of the start of like the resurgence of like the archives getting released for that, for Apple and all of them. And, uh, just dove headfirst in the anthology and then, you know, the flaming pie thing that came after that. And so that's how I kind of got into the McCartney thing. Um, so since 94, 95, yeah, been pretty that's core. You know. And you, you and I are, have a little bit of an age uh, difference. I'm a little older than you. A few but, years, yeah. Um, but that is same era, man. We that's experienced what, the same thing. That same time, that 94, 95, 96, 97 period mm -hmm. is where it was like ignition, go. Oh, like, I, I love VH1, then I have so many VHSs, and I recorded a lot of those shows. I mean, they kind of helped uh, just kind of perpetuate, you know, after the anthology. And I just love those shows. So, um, 
did you um did you do did you then spend some time like doing a rabbit hole with McCartney specifically around that time too and, go, and going back uh you... I discovered my dad's McCartney album so I discovered all my dad's Beatle albums so a lot of them were the American ones I think he bought in the early 70s because they were the the capital rainbow labels they weren't the originals um but yeah I discovered the McCartney album and then I think he had the band on the run. I might have bought band on the run and kind of loved the American version. Uh, so in my middle school years, those were like the two key albums I kept listening to, um, which were, they're seminal albums, you know, but I kind of burned myself on band on the run. So, but it's been maybe five to 10 years since I really delved into band on the run. So if they do do a release or some special thing this year, maybe, uh, it'll kind of get me back into that album, but you didn't uh, uh, you didn't jump on board with the archive edition when it came out in 2010. I did. I bought the two disc at Best Buy. They had like a bonus DVD at the time. That book was kind of out of my price range, and it eventually came down. I was able to pick it up a few years later. But, yeah, uh, hard to come by now. Oh, all that stuff is Every, even up to Flaming Pie a few years ago. I mean, if you didn't capture some of those, then you're kind of out of luck with your wallet yeah. um, because I think uh, I like, I love the format of the books up until like 2015 where they were, I mean, I think tug of war and pipes of peace. I mean, they were like 50, $55 sets at the uh, time. And that, yeah, at the time you're like, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, when you think about it, you know, but, in, and our friend Beatley tone has always done, he's done some great videos. Um, explaining and illustrating the 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 mark the up price and what how much they've skyrocketed and what their value what they were street date what they are you know here we are 10 11 12 years later so you think about it man that's 60 dollars at the time i think that's what band on the run went for and now yeah. it's like hundreds I mean, and hundreds of dollars yeah i'm probably holding on to like two thousand dollars worth of his sets you know i got yeah. one back here that you see it's kind of on this different show. oh yeah yeah <laughs> Got got very lucky on that, and uh, all my other stuff's in my other room. Yeah, um, they're great archives. Um, I wish they were a little bit deeper on the outtakes. So maybe the next yeah, they're round. not. They're so great in photographic content and and photos of the period. And the, if you like the memorabilia stuff, well, you, you look at it once or twice. The the reproduction of the the lyrics, which is cool, but they really need to be a little bit better on the the, the audio. And the, your best bang for your buck with that, I always say, is McCartney 2 with that. Oh, oh yeah, the bonus stuff, the bonus discs. And, you know, I mean, that was... But he kind of kicked off that off as, you know, one of the solo Beatles for that archive stuff. Then the kind of the Lennon folks have always been generous, but you didn't think there was going to be much after the Lennon anthology in 98. And then... No. And then the remixes came out, and you had a couple tracks here and there, and then... You're like, oh, wow. You know, like just a few years ago with the uh, Imagine box set and Plastic Only. You're like, wow, you could do a really a lot with these it archives. Is, it's just so much. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this morning over text about just the onslaught of releases from, from 2017 to now. It is ridiculous. It, it's slowed down right now, and maybe that's to come before a bigger storm. But you almost <laughs> could, maybe you could appreciate, yeah, and you could go back to, you know, the Pepper box set. And, yeah, and read into those books and listen to the outtakes and um, yeah, there's so much we've been spoiled and then I think that's why it kind of like 
you kind of almost expect it every year around this time now, the fourth yeah. quarter. Like, what else is coming out? But there's got to be stuff. There's stuff going in the background with, you know, like Peter Jackson. They got him on board. Oh, and, right. And, you know, and as we, Tom and I have always said, we're not going to, you know, we're going to just, we'll react to it when, when it's when it's here. And that's it. And I, mean, I know the anticipation's crazy for all, pro- you know, we, everybody wants everything all the time. But it, slow is okay after the last couple of years. I don't. You know, twenty twenty two with with just revolver was fine. That was we'll take was that that's okay. You know. Yeah, but they, you know they're a business, so they got to plan ahead the next ten fifteen years, and they can't just dump it all on us in the next couple. So yeah. I get it from that, and that's where I delve into the different world of outtakes, and that I'm fine. But I think you need both of that to get the whole picture, and so that's that's another hobby of mine. So I guess going back. And the Beatles, you know, like, you know, the anthology was kind of like my baptism into the Beatles world. And at the time, I didn't realize, oh, these are different outtakes than the records. Because my aunt around 95 gave me all her original American stuff. So I think she had the American Hard Day's Night soundtrack. And then mm-hmm. Meet the Beatles. And then um, the U.S. album. uh what was it called? It was an exclusive on CD ten years ago. Oh, oh, oh the, the the double um, album, um, the Beatles story. Story. I have that on original vinyl. Yeah. And so I'm listening to some of the stuff. I'm like that sounds different than what I'm hearing in the anthology. And, and now I'm reading the book. I'm like, oh, it's different takes. So I think because the anthology kind of um, piqued my interest on the outtakes. You know, like I've heard the you know 28 years later, I've heard the originals. <laughs> so many times so i'm always like dude i want to hear like what came before that you know the mm-hmm. outtake sessions and so that's what i love about the beetle remix issues is the outtake stuff um do you feel do you feel that um there is a part of the business that is just like you know what we have all this stuff we know that the physical buying market um People, you know, the people buying this physical media, that's going to be coming, you know, to an end as people just get older and stuff. And we have to just throw all this stuff out now. I mean, like you and I were growing up, it would have been nice to have like 15 years ago, the Plastic Ono Band box. You know, like we would have killed (laughs) for that. And then not that we don't, not that we don't now. It's just there is so much in all these sets that years later, years go by before you even get a chance to look at them. I, I had a conversation with a colleague who's a Beatle fan too, who's been on the show and He's like, yeah, I haven't even had a chance to finish the revolver book or anything, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I guess you got to like kind of part out some time, you know, when you had the free time just to open it up and kind of just absorb into it. And I, I read through it quickly because some of the stories I've heard before, but like you try to find those nuggets of new information. And I mean, literally, I mean, the Beatles story is never going to be fully told because. The moment you think you know everything, you get like a yellow submarine, you know, demo stuff with John oh, and Paul. John doing it. Right. Without the story of like, oh, yeah, I fell asleep and I had this song in my head. But like, yeah, he might have. But then John <laughs> juxtaposed that with like a really darker kind of, you know, side to it. And so it was a real collaborative effort. And then I'm kind of looking on YouTube these days now. You're like seeing stuff you haven't seen before that's getting out there. And hearing that Apple has a treasure trove underground of all this stuff, 
the story will never be fully told until I think a hundred years from now when we're not going to be around, but no, there's still unreleased video and audio out there. Um, but they're a business. They can't just, I don't know. They're like, we got to make this thing make sense from a product. Yeah. I mean, they, they probably have so many plans and projections for five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. What's their model going to be? I mean, you know, once the, once all the Beatles are gone, you know, how does that legacy remain and relevant if they still want to make it a, you know, obviously and a business and, and how, I mean, obviously the, the power is always in the music because mm-hmm. that's what, that's what keeps people coming back. But how do they, how do they take that and turn it into something that when we're 70 years old and there's 40 year olds, are they, how are, how are they appealing to them? You know? Yeah. So I think right now is the critical time from a physical media standpoint, because people are still are willing to spend that money for, to fill your bookshelves. <laughs> yes, they are. And you know, but they look at David. Got, he's got a he's got a Beatles and mono box set. Now that is oh, all right. See, so that, I got that oof. five years ago. That like is a t- item for two. I got it for like two seventy seven on eBay. I sold a whole bunch some stuff. Got wow, money, funny money. I call it. But when this came out, I think it might have been one ninety nine or two twenty nine. But you get a book and you get like fourteen slabs of vinyl. You know. You know, like the 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 revolver set, the vinyl was like almost two hundred bucks just for yep five discs. So this was a special release, I think, in twenty fourteen. They really came back in my mind because all they did was kind of re-release the '09 remasters, yes, and, and slip disc of the American track listing and covers. And I was like, "Wait, are you talking it... about the U.S. albums? Are you talking yes, about yes, yes? Oh, yeah." I didn't find that to be like, I got to get that, because I already have the audio that's how it was supposed to be, and they just repackaged it. The, the U.S. album, there's that echo coming back. Why? It got know. dexterized. It, see, we're talking about the American <laughs> albums, and the yes. echo came in. Um, I That U.S. albums was such a uh, – they, they, they improved the, the cover artwork. Like Again, Dave, stop coming in here. They improved, they improved the artwork, like the spines and the, the inserts – which they approved upon from that 04 and 06 when they did the Capitol albums. Oh, I, I love that release. But you that know, was authentic. Yeah, that's, mixes. That's what it's supposed to be. That's what the U.S. albums should have been. So not, maybe in yeah. the 60th anniversary, they release the real mixes and vinyl, clean presses. Yeah. I don't know if I would go after it, but I think it would be a valid release for the American you're talking market. About, re- you're talking about releasing the, the American albums again. With 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 on vinyl on vinyl with the with the original mixes that were done. Correct. That that would be all warts and everything. All warts were as they were issued in the sixties. Basically, take the 04, 06 releases and put them and put them on vinyl. That would be one hell of a project, man. I mean, and I think they would do it. That that would be awesome to have those to have you know hundred eighty gram pressings of those 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 capital albums. Because the Beatles have to think, unless the Apple heads have to think, it is a worthwhile project. They did it. In 0406 and 2014, even though those mixes were more homogenized with the, you know, the 87 and 09 remasters, yes. but they know that's the American market. That's how people that were around heard them. So it's not like they deleted it after uh, 87. You know, no, it's still been in their back pocket. It's, it's in their back pocket, sitting on it. Um, to, to and obviously they. It's like those old four oh six box sets, though. That was like a very quiet release. There was not a right. Yeah, Remember, I, it was not a I, huge I, thing. So I used to follow 
uh, the Abbey Road news page or something that uh, was Steve Marinucci and yeah, uh, I'm not sure if Ken Michaels is part of that, but or the Maca report was one of my go tos, and that's how I got my news. I didn't follow the Hoffman forum then, but it seemed not like, like it, you do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it seemed. It was a quiet release. I remember it was kind of like the calm before the love storm, you know? Um, yeah. So, and then they stopped it after 06. Cause right. Were, but, but that, uh, sorry, folks. We have the, you know, the, the echo that likes to come in and out for some reason on my microphone. Like we're listening to WCBS FM 101.1 <laughs> in New York, as it used to be. If it happens, it happens. But, um, yeah, no, those... Those sets were, were reproduced the right way. I love listening to the 0406s. Again, audio-wise, they, they were not packaged. like They did, they did the right job visually with the in 14 mm-hmm. by reproducing the spines and having the sleeves and everything. But you put them on, and you're hearing, the, you're hearing the 09 Masters in that track order. It's like, what are you doing? It's just like you just rearranged the track listing and, uh, and you bought playlist. it again. Yeah, yeah you playlist. made a playlist. Yeah. You made a playlist and just did it that way. But, I mean, think about having like things like Hey Jude on 180 gram vinyl, you know, like done the right. That would be fan. Beatles six and Meet the Beatles all done again up on the Beatles second album. That is a, yeah. that's something they could really tap into. They really could. You know, I but you know, so like after the during the anthology, that's what I was going after. That's all I had at some of the record stores was uh, you know the American albums, and they were like at the time they were like five to six dollars. So cheap. Twelve year old kid that cut lawn once a month, you know, got paid once a month for lawn cutting. That worked. You know, the vinyl. Because vinyl wasn't very big in the '90s, the revival no. was it was CD, and um, so you could get a lot of used stuff for cheap. Yeah, the CDs would cost you fifteen, you know, 13, twenty bucks, maybe fifteen dollars, twenty dollars for a disc. Oh, and yeah. the vinyl you could get dirt cheap. Now it's flipped, and you go, and the used CDs now are like they're Pennies. giving them away. Yeah, yeah. Pennies. Yeah, you go to you go to any decent record store, one two one two three dollars, and you can make a killing on CDs now. And that's why I've so many shelves for CDs. I, I, to me, that's still a viable medium for me personally. That's how I enjoy a lot of stuff. But you will play it physically. You'll get it. You'll get it out and play it, and you're on your system because it's it's a it's like pulling out a book you haven't read, and um, I get the technology so like instant, and I got to separate that for me. Yes, um, that's my hang up. That's my old man kind of get off thing. my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the end of the day, the music's music, and that's what matters, and it doesn't matter. I mean, but I still pay for it. And I think I still pay for it, you know? Like, that's, that's I think, the business model is going to stay around as long as there's a market to buy it. Yeah. They might not be pressing as much. That number is going to have to go down. It's just, it, it's not going to, they're not going to make as much quantity of this stuff. They're just not going to do it. No, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the backlog is from a chain perspective, but like I know some McCartney releases recently kind of um, squashed the uh, other bands to produce vinyl. I mean, I there must be like maybe two, maybe twenty record plant pressings in the uh, in the world. I, I don't know. I'm just throwing a number out, but like it seems like you could slow the chain down just from just one artist. One for just from one artist. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, it, McCartney yeah, three, yeah, McCartney, yeah, third man, the third man pressings. I mean, you think so? You think about somebody like that and him, and then the demand for the the, the smaller artists, you know, to try to. And Tom was always talked about that too. You know, it's just there's such a uh, weight 
for that stuff these days. Yeah. For vinyl. So talk to us about um starting two legs. Yeah. And, you know, and how that and how that came about. So Tom, I think, kind of connected to me in maybe two thousand ten, maybe around my passing my dad. And we just kind of just started texting each other and I remember him growing up, but he was just I mean, being the eleven year age gap as a kid, he might as have been thirty years older than me. You know, then you're like, oh, we weren't really that much older, but so we just texting about music, other bands, the Beatles, of course, because him and his uncle are. I didn't realize I was in my own world. I thought I had in my own world the family. Like maybe I'm the biggest Beatle fan. I'm like no, I got cousins on my dad's side. Like are bigger Beatle fans, and uh, he's like, man, it'd be really cool if we just like just t- you know got together and talked about it on a podcast. So that was maybe like 2014, 2015. Sure, why not? You know, and he kept pushing it. Not, he kept kind of bringing it up. I'm like, all right, let's try it out. But I had in my mind my own stipulations. I didn't really want to be on video at the time, and I couldn't look too far out into the future on the project. So we, you know, we started in 2016. So it's been seven years last month. So, I mean, we're only a few years away from ten years of two legs. So. <sighs> It's weird to think about. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of had a couple names. It was Two Legs or Talk More Talk. And we were like, well, which one do you like? And so we agreed on Two Legs because it was just us, a play on Three Legs. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used Skyped audio, which was a convenient I mean, Skype seems so archaic, right? I don't know if it's even used as a video I think platform. it still is. But, uh, so, I could be in my PJs anytime. Usually we did, like, Sunday night. <laughs> we just hit the record button, and we'd upload it to Podbean was our, kind of, our main source. That was your, it was an audio-only thing back then. Yeah, and we were pretty content. It was easy to deal with the audio uh, rather than video. And we were getting eventually guests that Tom now works with, you know, like, so it worked at the time. It probably seems a little archaic now. I don't know how many audio only podcasts there are. A decent amount. Did you have to do a lot of um, sweetening in the recordings to improve the audio or no? Yeah. Sometimes if his side or my side would drop with the internet, it would cut out. I, I mean, like Tom has brought up, our first guest was Kit. And I think I think I think I did two to three hundred edits because, he, so when he called in or we called, it's there, there was only two sides of Skype audio. It was my side, and it'd be Tom, and I think the conference call guest would be on Tom's side of the audio. So it wasn't like I could split three audios out of it. It was only two. So if he was cutting out and the guest is on that, I'm like I got a lot of work to do. So. It got better, I think, once his internet improved or whatever, but I think that was the extent of it. I mean, the files were not even a quarter of a gig, you know. They were very simple, but I found that easy for me to to post-process if we needed to. And you guys originally envisioned like doing like a, a season, like a TV show, right? You do the well, yeah, seasons? Yeah. Talk about so, a little bit about that. <laughs> Like I said, I didn't want to project too far into the future because just life, and I just didn't want for me to go, wow, you know, this, is this going to be a 10-year thing, a two-year thing? Let's just take it, you know, one step at a time. So I think the first season, we did like 30 episodes, 
which doesn't seem like a lot, but with life, you know, it's like, okay, what am I going to, you know, we'll record it and then I got to edit it later on. Um, so like you would, so you, early up, I don't know if people could go to Podbean even that far back. You're like, oh, episode 111. I mean, that's actually episode 11 of season one. And then you're like, 201 is season two. You know, you're like, well, we didn't do 201 episodes. So I think between me and him, we did like 66 to 67 yeah. shows. And you guys have done probably like three to 400 with between the regular episodes and your album tracks right and then special editions and i mean see i look at you guys as two legs 2.0 you know and i i don't regret leaving the show i i I come with content and pride that the show keeps going you know and you guys put so much work into it and uh that makes me proud because it's like okay it's i had my hand in to something so small at the time sort of embryonic and then yeah you guys are working with you guys are interviewing the best of the best, you know, and um, well, it's but I wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for you. So, no, I appreciate that, and and the show would not have become what it was if I did not leave, you know. So I knew, like, I didn't want to go that deep for me. Um, I had other stuff going on, and I thought Tom was going to maybe take it to a different kind of show, and I was going to help him actually engineer it, you know. But he found you, and that was the greatest thing for the show. Um, well, you're very kind. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, we we just we we just figured out like he was really determined. He wanted to keep something fresh. He wanted to keep it current. He wanted to keep it relevant and mm-hmm. um, not be one of these kind of fly by night. You know, they're here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. Shows and I I give all the credit in the world to Tom for that because he's the one who's like, this is what we're gonna do. This is who we're gonna interview. And his motivation and his drive was like contagious. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 you could feed off of it because he was so determined to to wanting to do this, and uh, that gets you, you know, that gets me excited. Motiva- because, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. motivated to okay, let's do our homework, let's do it, and let's let's stay fresh. And obviously, we benef- we benefited. I hate to say that word, we benefited with the pandemic because I had joined before that, but mm-hmm. that's kind of when we came into our own, and everybody else started doing shows then. But I think Tom and I kind of found our groove uh, sometime in 2020 there. Into no, mid to 2020, end of, end of 2020 into 2021, we started doing the live things and we started, you know, get back. We did got back and mm-hmm. kind of really, it took us about it. And I joined in uh, October 2019. October of 2019, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, that was really before the world ended. And it was, um, we did, I think we, we might have done Skype, or I forget initially how we did it, but, um, you know, it takes a while to develop. Get into that chemistry. kind of, yeah chemistry yeah you know i mean he found an equal partner i mean he found someone just like him and you guys made that show so much grander or you you know you guys had the same vision we just and i and i get thank you for that um which is nice you're saying that but again i wouldn't be here if if you guys didn't start it so yeah and i'm happy tom you know he always admired ken michaels and i go man i'm just texting him like man be interesting if you like were co-host you know and he was your you know equal or you know co-partner and sure shit enough, he he lands the gig with Talk More Talk in 2018. And I two thought, year two years after two, two years after only two, I mean if you listen to one of our first couple shows, it's just hilarious how like wet behind the ears we were, you know. 
And I don't think Tom would ever want to listen to those shows anymore. You know, I have them all. <laughs> I have I have them all archived on DVD. You know, I just took them off my hard drive, burned them. So I'd have to like listen to them one day and go, "Wow, we were." Would, would really you want young. to? I, I wouldn't mind just hear the curiosity of hear 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 Tom's arc as a podcaster. You know, because I think the more you do it, the more you grow, the more you know what to say or how to propose the question. Mm-hmm. It's it's a rhythm, you know. It's like any band that starts out, you know, writes demos, you know, or like their first album. It is. You know. And the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. And I like to think that that's where we're at now. But um, we just, you know, sticking to what we wanted to do is just we want to be, we want to be, you know, as current as we can and, and have, yes, we have shows just about every week. We do take uh, the first weekend of the month off. But, you know, I always like, we have quantity, but we always want it to be quality. You know, we don't want to. You know, and listen, have we had some some clunker shows? I'm not going to sit here and say we have. We haven't. We have. I'm sure we have. If you go back and watch them, eh, it wasn't a great episode. Or maybe I didn't like that guy. We, we you know, every one of them has but, not I mean, been a, a, a winner. I mean, you uh, guys are uh, pretty much a weekly show, and I think that was the original vision. And you it wanna, was. And you want to be on top of any kind of breaking news or kind of whatever news in general in the McCartney world. Uh, you know, it's almost like you guys are columnists on YouTube, you know, like you guys. And that's the thing. Like we, we, we use the medium of YouTube to be the podcast. I, so I have met people in Chicago saying there's another YouTuber. I, I don't really consider myself a YouTuber. We're, no. we're using the medium to deliver it that way. But and I think you would agree with this. We're not YouTube. We're podcasters and we're just using the YouTube as the medium. To, well, yeah, to, I mean, you guys, aren't, you guys aren't doing clickbait titles, click no. for views and, um, I don't know. Do you play that game to gain more viewership? But then at the same time, you don't want to cheapen uh, the integrity of what the show is about. No. And and so, like you said, you're using YouTube as the medium to get your voice out there. You got, I mean, you guys are on Apple, Amazon, which is amazing. Like, wow, you know, like my old show I helped create is on all these platforms, you know. So, you know, if it turns, you know, because it is an audio only broadcast out there as well. Well and let me tell you, world. as you know, it was what a pain dealing with Apple to try to get it on Apple uh, Podcasts. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, that battle? I, I tried to do YouTube, and that was a pain. Uh, and I remember, yeah, you guys were trying to get on Apple. I don't know what hoops you guys had to fly through, but it was one of the first kind of challenges I had to do joining Tom to, for the audio was to get they had a, the artwork had to be a certain way and it w- to be accepted on Apple Podcasts, and it was oh god, it was a nightmare to try to do. But <laughs> um, you guys, you know, I know Tom's very keen. Even though we use YouTube now and we reach a lot more people that way, Tom is really, he loves uh, checking out the audio numbers and seeing how the audio, because there's plenty of people that listen to Two Legs just through audio apps. I mean, well, yeah, they're we, probably driving around or just doing stuff around the house. They just want to hear it. They don't have to see it. And I have I have friends that listen to it that way. I mean, our, our Peter Doggett show on, on audio had over a thousand downloads. Oh. So just awesome. for audio, which is yeah. really, really great. That's, I mean, so. That there is a to your guys' original vision and plan to be a podcast. There's still a, plenty of people that enjoy it that way too. Well, it's funny. I think one of the shows I did with you guys in like maybe in 2020, people were like, "Oh, is that what he looks like?" You know, or like had no idea. You know, because I think I had my picture taken a couple times on the Facebook stuff during my tenure, but it was like, "Oh, the face and the voice are together now." But yeah, um, I don't have an issue much anymore being on video, but. Because it's not my show anymore, so it's like, hey, you know, right. I don't have to deal with that. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, here you are, 
four four years later, you know. Um, Crazy. <laughs> you've Crazy. Ev- you have eclipsed my tenure in terms of years, you know, and. Um, yeah. But in that, those two years, you guys did, a, you know, you did, I think you guys, you guys did 67, 66 or 67 shows yeah. in a two-year period with your way. I mean, yeah. so, and, I mean, and, it's, you know, got the format down. Yeah, I mean, I was the engineer, basically, in the color commentary, and, and um, Tom was the go-getter for the interviews, you know. Still is. Was, oh, yeah. I mean, it used to be like, hey, just you and I could pick a topic and we'll talk with it. He's like... Well, I'm gonna get Kit on. I'm gonna get whomever on. I was like, sweet, you know. But it kind of, but it kind of, for me, it kind of became tough from uh, working and dealing with schedules. I was very kind of strict on like Sunday nights are perfect for me. But um, it is what it is, and you know, I don't regret leaving. I'm happy how the show has projected, you know, in the last four years out. Um, so it, it's it's always an honor when I mean, I become friends with you, you know, through our group. Yeah. it wasn't like oh you know my you know my replacement there was no animosity no. i couldn't have been happier because for tom like he got what he want and an equal partner and a vision and, and you uh, you got what you want and you needed to scale back so you yeah. were able so. to do what you want and i rely on that like i texted like i told you in the text you're my what once at the news hits <laughs> you're gonna tell me because i'm not gonna scour the oh, internet for hours yeah. so as soon as david knows and tells us then i know it's for real you know i, I have a lot of downtime at work you know, I mean, yeah, I have opportunity to, you know, to lurk, you know, but, uh, and only am happy to bring that new, like, Hey, there's oh, something love- breaking, you know? Yeah. When I see that, you're like, Oh, here's another week of nothingness. Or I, <laughs> I see the text and I laugh my ass off. I'm like, there's David scouring and seeing what we, we can find, what little nibbles and cookies of information we can find out there. Yeah. So I became, a, I went from a podcaster to a lurker, you know, so I'm not, I mean, oh, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let, let's switch gears and talk uh, some music stuff. We're, yeah. we're going to go outside of the Beatles too. Um, we did have a plan, David and I, and we have not abandoned it either. I, I, we were going to do a little bit of an offshoot series on the Who, which yeah. we're still going to. We have not forgotten about it. We are going to do it. Um, and we did one. Or, we did one or two episodes on the. I think one thing we did one, maybe two. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, it kind of ties in nice nicely now because uh, this past Friday. The 15th saw the release of the Super Deluxe Finally edition of Who's Next slash what they're calling it now, Lifehouse. Mega Super Deluxe edition, for all kinds of iterations on vinyl. Um, but yeah, as two Mega Who fans, we're very happy that this has been dropped. And um, Who's Next, man? T- t- tell me about it. I mean, that's the, that's the Who at their peak, you know. Um there's so much to say i'm looking at the summary of what's in the box set you know you, you get the remastered cd you get the lifehouse demos a little bit more than they came out in 2000 on pete townsend's website you get but the, you didn't you didn't you didn't you buy that not at the time oh no you got that i later. got it later i got it almost a few just a couple of years ago because i'm like it was somewhat obtainable the Chronicles, the Lifehouse, the, Chron- the the full set, right? You got yeah. So there's like the radio play, then you have the couple CDs of demos. Um, is I remember it's one of the first box sets that really came out. I think it came out in 2000. Yeah, and being 16, I'm like I can't touch that price. It might have been not even 150 bucks at the time, but it's a lot of money back then. But yeah, man, you get the full, you get the more record plant sessions. You get the Olympic sound sessions. Uh, uh, I love this. I love the the last Who box that you get more 
singles and sessions stuff yes that doesn't tie to the album they're almost kind of like the b-sides or the and then you get two two full concerts uh live at young vic and at the civic auditorium in san fran and that's like the one that everybody on hoffman i don't know if you saw that that's the one they're going gaga over the san francisco civic auditorium show do you know i mean why why was there why was that show so in demand do you know i i think only partially some of it got released and you're always clamoring for the full concert and then they are selling it on vinyl i think that show there's like a social box vinyl box set right only... so the vinyl there's like not one version of vinyl like like you can't get the whole version on you can't get the whole thing on vinyl this way right it's, isn't it broken up into different sets or something yeah you get the san francisco gig and the who's next that's a four that's vinyl. one but then there's another one right that has then you get the standalone lp and that's it i think there's that's the only two iterations oh i thought i thought there was a couple of the different ones that had like the young vic one and then the san francisco stuff no no i'm just scrolling through Look, the only the only thing i'm going to say it's a bummer about this is that the stephen wilson remix it's only on is the blu-ray only on the blu-ray you did I not was, get a cd i was of hoping that, that it it would be a remix on CD because um, we've had iterations of the Who's Next remastered throughout the years. Oh, yeah. Um, people are hoping that gets released separately, but I, you know, for the sake of selling this box, that's it, going to be like the exclusive, I think. And uh, I, I know you had just picked up the set recently, and so you'll be getting it soon. So I'd love to, you know, hear your thoughts on. Well, by the time this posts, I'll probably have already have the unboxing done on my own channel. <laughs> Right which I, it's, we're recording this on a Sunday. I should have it by Monday or Tuesday, so we'll, there'll be an unboxing on my channel for it. But um, ripping that ripping that Blu-ray audio oh, would, yeah. would be a must. But you're getting 14 additional tracks on that Blu-ray. What are you? What are you getting? Um, you have it right there? Yeah. So you're getting The Seeker, the unedited version. Here for more. Now I'm a farmer. I don't. Know Myself, the LP sound version, Water, which is the IBC version, okay. Naked Eye, the Olympic sound version, uh, Pure and Easy, Pure and Easy, Too Much of Anything, Let's See Action, When I Was a Boy, Join Together, the unedited version, Put the Money Down, Relay, the unedited version, and Long to Live Rock. So, so I've listened to this streaming, Chris, since it came out on Friday, and the, my initial takeaway is they've really remixed some of those tracks, like the Join Together. I don't know if you've listened yet, but... If you check yeah. it out on streaming, you're hearing like different isolation um, vocals and stuff. You're hearing like there's like single track Daltrey on Bargain, which sounds mm. awesome. Um, really like, yeah, The Seeker. Um, what else? Uh, Join Together sounds very different. The Relay, Let's See Action. Th this period of The Who between 71 and 73 is, is my favorite period for the band. Oh, I don't know if you would agree. Absolutely. You know, um, because there's so much stuff from Pete, you know. You know, he's like, well, okay, I, I'm trying to, he's trying to go like to the next step from Tommy and build this Lifehouse kind of concept album. And it, I don't, not sure if it, you know, it, it's in books and, and the stuff that's included in the set and it just never worked out. So he gave some of those tracks to the band and I think it works better. I mean, I would not have wanted the Who's Next to be another, um, Tommy or Quadrophenia, because I don't think it would have been as powerful, maybe. You mean in terms of being like a, like a full-on, uh, you know, theme, a concept I th album? Yeah, I think Who's Next works better as an anthemic 
kind of album you know i think this is like the transformation of a further transformation or elevation of roger being that rock god yeah and and becoming like the stadium rock band that they, they became and yeah. a lot of people there's a friend of the show and a friend of ours that we know well ethan alexanian who's another who fan but ethan really likes the the 60s who there's i no- get it it's almost like uh people like early pink floyd the um sid barrett it's the sid barrett year yeah because it has that swinging 60s era and I, I get it the who were like mods you know yes. like they had that attitude the clothing the dress and then they stripped that away and they almost became like uh i'm a bigger who fan than zeppelin led then led zeppelin but like yeah but it elevated the who to be the arena rock band that they're known for today you know and i'm okay after the who it goes into quadrophenia because it goes deeper into pete townsend's pete yeah i mean it's just amazing you know and then it went into like um you know the the albums after that but i this his his period what i what i was amazed and i've been a who fan almost the same time i've been a beatle fan What's amazing is finally hearing Pete's demos, which I didn't hear the scoop stuff till maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. To hear how complete his demos are, they're already like done. He's just given to the band saying, just Put play it touch better. On like, it. Yeah, yeah. The drums, the bass, like everything is spot on. It's not like a traditional demo. These are fleshed Completed out. songs. Yeah. So it's not like he's just telling, you know, Keith Moon, you, play, you do your Keith Moon thing. John, you do your you know bass and brass stuff, and Roger, sing the hell out of it. But it, well, he, I mean, just incredible. knowing how that band was, I don't think they would have gotten as far. You know, I mean, no, th- those Keith is Keith, and John was doing John, and maybe Roger could be stubborn, and I think Pete kind of pushed him along with the stuff, you know. But Roger was his voice box for Pete's vision. I love Pete's voice, but I'll never, I'll never say he. He could have got through the Who without Roger, you know, but I just love his voice. But well, they complement each other well. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of times where, like, when songs that where they share verses or lyrics is is phenomenal. Like a song mm-hmm. like Bargain, um, a song like The Song Is Over. You know, when they can when they both share it, man, it's great. So I haven't gotten the box set. It's kind of a price point thing, and I'm also waiting for the Beetleverse to unleash whatever it does in quarter four, you know, so... And we are in quarter four, folks. We are well Oh, I said that word. Damn it. (laughs) So, if I'm not so gung-ho about purchasing all whatever gets released, then I'll consider this box set i was waiting for it to drop a little bit more you but... think it will i mean do you, are we at a point with these box sets where like they're out but then sometimes like you said when you texted me like like uh the sellout, sells it, out? Ended up, it dropped right did it it's did like it 70 bucks now you know it was like That's 150 two and years like, ago yeah and i was like I, I think i got that as a gift but i just felt bad i'm like man they really dropped they discounted it and i don't see it going in half but i, I think it might drop a little more I mean, think it's the around. most comprehensive well, one that yeah, they've there released. There are 11 discs, by the way. You know, I like mean, Who Sells Out only had six, six CDs. Uh, Quadrophenia has four, I think. Yeah. Maybe five with a 5.1. I mean, there's not yet yeah, four or five discs, uh, maybe six. I'll tell there's you. Not... I like... Yeah, go ahead. I got really disappointed in the Quadrophenia thing in 2011 because they didn't release the album, the full album on Blu-ray. They just had like five tracks. Yes. 
uh, I got initially the two disc with the, some of the demos so on the disc box, two. Yeah. yeah, some of the, the box set has like the two complete CDs of demos, but you almost feel like are they going to swing around again and touch upon that? I think they jumped the gun too early with Quadrophenia. They could have probably done a much better job with that now. Yeah, I mean, you know, twenty eleven, like we're gonna have a director's cut. It just didn't. The timing seemed wrong for that. Yeah, but it was a nice uh, selling point for their two thousand twelve tour. Yes, it kind of led up to that, and uh, that was a great tour. Uh, oh, way. that was awesome. Um, Bellboy yeah. playing the Bellboy on the video screen. That was just great. So. But I mean, I would, you know, <laughs> swinging back to the Beatle world or yeah. the McCartney world, man. I, I mean, we would we would just die if we had like eleven disc McCartney, you right? Know, whatever. Now think about that. We're just talking about bang for buck, right? Now two hundred, whatever it's going for, two hundred and fifty dollars now. Yeah. For, now, you know that's you know that's eleven discs. You're not you're paying that same price or more with McCartney for less for less discs in a lot of in a lot of cases. It just we haven't had the um, the floodgates open in terms of outtakes and different. We've had different mixes, but like I don't know. I like, mean, no, like a true outtake. Like let me hear, let me hear like a demo of Jet from nineteen seventy three. Oh, God, can we I hear mean, a demo yeah, of Jet, yeah. please? Like as a as a band in progress, working on Jet, things like that. Let's like, hear that. If you did this era box set, you know seventy one to seventy three with ten disc of like out. <laughs> I'd pay double than what I paid for. You know, like well, yes, yeah. True outtakes. Like let's hear, let's hear let's hear let's hear a real outtake of the backseat of my car from New York. And you know, I almost think Ban on the Ron has that shit. And I get it. He he lost his cassette, but <laughs> you know damn well he that was a copy of the multi. You know whatever he was tracking on his four track. I'll take just like. Pull out the master and give me the stems of whatever those songs are. Just the stems. Because you know when they did Mark Carney 321, he's at the border with Rick Rubin, and they're pulling the faders up and down, and you're hearing yes. stuff. You're like, that's an interesting mix, a band on the run, you know? So, I... You know, like that was a more... The McCartney archive is more like a comprehensive, like here's books and memorabilia, and here's some mixes or versions, but... Uh, yeah, I want to hear Band on the Run, take one to the master, you know. Right, and I think I think tying to we kind of we opened up with. I do think we'll see that we're going to see some we're going to see Band on the Run celebrated at the end of this year somehow in some well, the mega interesting, thing. Interesting thing is like, you know, McCartney and Harrison or what star they're all susceptible to the copyright fifty year you know thing as well as the Beatles did. You know, you know, unless they're something legality wise, they're getting around that, but. If there's outtakes of Band on the Run, and then somehow finds it on the market in the public domain, it's anyone's, you know. Yeah, but I think they changed those laws. I think they, like, it's, you know, they, they especially, because I don't think, like, the Beatles stuff, even though, like, the stuff that's over 50 years old, it's not in public domain. They obviously renewed whatever licensing they had to to keep yeah. it protected. I know, like, you know, it's not like Love Me Do is, you know, can be played by anybody. I mean, it, they still own that. Yeah. So or I, I don't know. does or whoever. I, have I ever showed you? Let me try to find it. Love the A's for Apple books on those shelves. Oh, they're beautiful. I can't find it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what do we got? So remember, this oh, came out. Oh yes. This came out in December of 2013 as an iTunes only. 
Correct, the copyright dump, yeah. Yeah, so someone in the world of whatever record labels has put this out on vinyl and two CD. That's so, crazy. That's on, is that sealed? or? That's uh, just the cover. But, um, oh. So they put those 1963 recordings on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Like, come on, Apple. I will buy this again just to fund you guys to do. <laughs> can, uh, can you show us? Can, you, can we see one? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't even think you can get that anymore, David, right? You might be able to go on iTunes, which is like 36 bucks. But like, Oh, and buy it. Okay, yeah. There it is. I mean, there's three vinyl. Look at that, slides. man. That's, that, is, that's a, that is not a real release, but it looks like it's real. I mean, look at that. <laughs> look at the quality. They I know. The, they've come such a long way, for, haven't they? I mean, I'm not you know promoting it, but no. if it's out there, but like, and then they put the CDs in here, you know, like. Oh, it was the seat. You got CDs and vinyl in that yeah, set. Yeah, same thing. It's like, I'll huh. buy this again, Apple, if you just put it out there just to show my fate that, like, I'll buy your stuff. You I'll know? buy your stuff. I mean, I still buy your their stuff, but, like, yeah. Was that an eBay thing, uh, David, or you found it uh, through other Maybe, ways? Yeah, because Discogs would block it. It might have been eBay. Yeah. So yeah, I, Discogs blocked that stuff, but. But I'm just saying, like, come on, like. It's oh. that's a great that's a great set. I mean, I, I yeah, I do remember that 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 dropping on iTunes at the time. Thinking, oh, here's all these songs from '63. You got to grab them, you know. Um, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, so, but the Who set looks amazing. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, Pete had been talking about it for years going through the multi tracks, and and the thing is, like a lot of some of the stuff, the majority of the stuff is on his uh, the Chronicles, but they're different mixes. So you're gonna get you might hear different levels of vocals or might hear stuff that wasn't up front in the 2000 release. But that's the most interesting thing here. You hear some of these, the separation of the vocals and, and, and how clear it is. So that, that um, there's always something new and exciting to get. And uh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait till, uh, till it arrives from the postman uh, one day this week, but yeah. it'll already have been in my hands by the time this video is posted. <laughs> so yeah. And we will continue our, who, show at some point in the future hang hang in there if you did watch it on my own channel but we will do that and we're only going to go through the who album so we will get back to it and that's but they don't have that many albums you know 12 no maybe 13 they don't have a lot at all so you know, it we'll include live with leads you know yeah that leads so um we, we will we will get there so um transitioning back to mccartney let's uh you know let's as we wind down let's talk about some favorite period uh you know lineups of Paul and the people that he's played with, Wings, 80s man, 90s man. Heck, maybe even some of those people that he played with there in the mid-80s, like Dave, Dave Edmonds. You know, what's some of your favorite um, kind of iterations of the people that Paul has played with, Wings or otherwise? Well, I mean, for me, from personal experience seeing him, it'd be the current lineup uh, from 2002 to now. The current then, lineup, yeah. And even a couple of the guys in Driving Rain sessions. So you got Rusty and Abe. Abe, I mean, that guy is such a teddy bear. That guy is like, I hope you guys get I'm on the show one day because, uh, I mean, that guy is such a teddy bear. I can't. I mean, that guy is the soul of, like, that band in terms of just the enthusiasm, his joy of playing. I mean, it sounds like it, he looks like it's his first day on the job and and – and he's been drumming with Paul for 21 years, one 22. Years. I mean, he was on the driving rain sessions. Right. And, so. and uh, he comes from a, a rich background. His dad is a bass player led yes. in the A-Lip Boreal. I mean, um, 
Man, I mean, his, I mean, that guy is like Ringo Starr with balls of steel now, like from a, you know, sound perspective. I mean, like you hear some of those Beatles songs it's like, wow. I mean, it, they're not heavy, heavy, but it's like the powerfulness of it. And um, oh. you bring up a really good point with this, with this choice, because I know a lot of our uh, viewers have said that, why don't you guys just do a show on Paul's? current man you know band that he's played with longer than anybody else he's played in his life and mm-hmm. i'm, I'm kind of glad you said those because we obviously we, we love wings and all their lineups and obviously the 80s and 90s but it's nice to see that um there's some respect and love for the people that he, he works with I now mean, you got you got um brian ray who played with the great etta james in the 70s I mean, he's around sixty-eight years That's old. That's the thing too. Everybody thinks that like Paul plays with these kids. Now we know Paul. Well, they were kids too. about twenty-two years ago. I mean, but these was... guys aren't any spring chickens no, either no. now. No, these guys are their sixties. Sixties. They got to be in their sixties. I think it's like fifty-three. I think he man when he got a hold of Paul, he might have been like twenty-nine or thirty. At the think time. about that. You would start drumming for Paul McCartney when you're like thirty years old, right? <laughs> and now here you are, twenty-two years later. Yeah. It's, so, it's slightly I mean, and, wild and, and, and those guys, you know, we know Paul's voice is for an 81-year-old. Not bad, but it, he's 81. I mean, those guys yeah. lift him up um, when he needs it, and they're great vocalists. And I think that's why he picked them, because he heard what they could do vocally. And uh, I, loved your, I loved your episode when you guys interviewed Gabe Dixon, because I thought he was going to be on the tour, you know, when they are doing the concert for New York. And that guy... I think he was in his early 20s at that yes. time. And I uh, was always curious about what happened to him or where he went. But um, Very, very accomplished musician on his own yeah. right. So Paul, you know, through through David Kahn, was uh, instrumental in terms of this current lineup. Um, I, you know, I like it because it's his current you know, band, but they've, they've played so many Beatles songs or Wings songs during that. That's his, you know. He hasn't played with anyone that long, in his and and life. I, they push him too. Like they'll they'll the ones that the, the reason I think that we're hearing the last you know ten years or so some of the more we've heard like wing songs like letting go and listen to what the man said I think it's because we really owe a credit to them because they I think they pushed him to do that absolutely and I'm not saying that's the greatest lineup because I think you can't touch the '76 lineup I mean that is such a classic era for me. The current lineup's my favorite, but uh, from a historical standpoint of Paul McCartney, wing solo artist, I think that is the classic Joe English, Jimmy McCall, yeah. Denny Lane, how, Linda. How many times have you seen Paul? Uh, oh, two, oh, I think seven, oh, two, oh, five, oh, five, 11, 15, 17, 17 yeah, seven times. Wow. And the most yeah. recent time being 2017? 17. Yeah, he hadn't been to Detroit since October 1st and 2nd, 2017. And that was a really weird time because things that happened between those two shows I saw him. Um, we found out Tom Petty. Oh, yeah. Um, his DJ was playing some Tom Petty songs on the October 2nd show. And um, that was just so weird. You hear, like, what happened to Tom Petty? What you know, and then he just passed. I think that day. So it was just a really weird. And then kind of you're looking at you're watching a legend like McCartney. Like okay, life's short. You know, let's um, you know absorb it. You know, take it in. And um, you have to. It's so short and so precious. And uh, wow, what a yeah. what a moment that must have been. 
at that yeah. time realizing yeah. that happened. Um, you got, um, I know you're a big concert goer like I am too. Do you got any big shows coming up in the next uh, few months that you're going to? Uh, big shows? Yeah, I, I stopped doing, I mean, I still try to go to big shows if I can. Well, not, I don't mean like, but you know, yeah, yeah you up know and I mean. coming. So, I, you know, I'm seeing Ringo probably for the 14th time in October. Are you, oh, you are going to go see Ringo. Okay. Yeah, I, I did it because I, I got the pre, uh, the ticket at face value at the box office. And um, I do it because I enjoy who he plays with. Um, yeah, I love to see him just do a solo gig, but that's not who he is. Like he said, he likes being a band. So he's like, hey, I'll play drums on your song. I don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um He's 83. You know, I thought when I saw him in 2019 in Windsor, Ontario, because that was kicking off the 30th anniversary celebration tour, he was 79. I'm like, okay. And then four years later, I can't imagine him touring at 87 going four years out. He don't look it, though. He's very – he does not look like he's 83. No. I mean, that guy has energy that an 83-year-old you typically wouldn't think would have energy. But the guy has a good diet. I mean, the guy, I think – you know, like, say what you want personally. I mean, but he projects, I think, uh, youth and energy as much as he can. Uh, and, uh, I mean, hell, I mean, he's he's living the dream. I mean, he just enjoys life at his house in L.A. writing songs. I don't buy anymore, but that doesn't, no. you know, but I think just being active. If, he, if that's working for him, then God bless him. Well, yeah, if it, it makes him live, you know. And that's something to wake up to, like, okay, I've got some work to do, and um, more power to him. Um, I, I think uh, to kind of continue the Ringo tangent thing, I think, and I know your cousin and, and my our co-host, um, you know, let's have a little bit of a retrospective dive into Ringo's solo no. career. Like, stop, let's stop <laughs> throwing EPs at us, but how about like a little bit of a box set of your Apple of your Apple years, or or yeah. or get, let's get that fiftieth uh, Ringo, you know, let's get let's celebrate some of that his his really his best period uh, of you know, where he was the most commercially successful yeah. 70 71 72 73 74 those years Ringo was really on top of the, the pop world and I mean John was kind of jealous he's like man you know like yep. <laughs> you know um yeah I don't know where the rumors start about the 50th you know anniversary of Ringo but we were I, Tom and I were told that that was a done deal yeah by, by some friends of ours so maybe it got delayed I'd still hope that is a releasable commercial kind of release i have stuff out there that i bought because i'm just like i'm sick of waiting um but because that's but, when the anniversary the anniversary thing kind of goes out the window then like revolver we get revolver like 56 years out. later yeah like you want to get okay pepper was great like did the pandemic throw everything off maybe but there's no rhyme or reason for these like they want to tie it into an anniversary fine but then it doesn't really make any sense like elton john released uh, a 40th anniversary of goodbye yellow Brick road in 20 Oh, what do I, I forget the, Yeah, something like yeah, that. So two, that, yeah, so there was, there was yeah. no rhyme or reason to that. So there's not any rhyme or reason to these now. So maybe it comes out in 2024 yeah. with Ringo. Who knows? Like, I think the Pepper 50th was the first time they actually acknowledged other side from like the 30th anniversary of Abbey Road being released again but in 98. But I think the 2017 is like the first that they're like celebrating an anniversary. Yes. And they kind of... Which they, they did with Pepper and White Album, with Pepper, and, White Album and Abbey Road, and then that was it. And then, of course, the pandemic. But it's, uh, it kind of makes sense that get, the Get Back, Let It Be stuff would kind of get pushed out because that album always got like you know sidetracked. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. 
It's like, okay, we record in early 69, but releasing like May of 70. Okay, that makes sense. You know? So we'll just do the same thing 50 something yeah. years later. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you want to go more into like, have you heard about chatter about this or that? But like, they're supposedly, I'm hearing chatter about like, they're finally releasing Let It Be on Blu ray with some of the, you know, extras that Peter Jackson did interview the police guys. And there might be an intro with um, Michael and, you know, but, Michael, and, Michael Lindsay Hogg, yeah, if, yeah, if you yeah. don't follow along, yeah, yeah. So you have read, you've read that there is that that uh, maybe in the works too. Maybe in the works, you know. But you would, know, take that Peter with Peter Jackson. Grand so like, but it would be would it be Michael's thing or would yeah, it be? Peter's I think it'd thing? be like Peter's kind of his foot, um, his edit. So you might get the smoothing that you saw and get back on Michael's film, and you, and they're they're both very respectful of their yeah two different projects. As we as you said, you know, Peter thinks his his thing is like a sequel to what Michael did, yeah. which is cool. But you, you might get the Peter produ- Peter Jackson production on that. But now I'm curious about the one that never got released in 2003. That was supposed to be like a two disc. Yes. You know, so we'll see. We shall see. It's going to be interesting because you know, they're the, you know that, that you know I think Get Back has restored what that period is to people. So let let the original film stand out on its own. And it, it should. I mean, it's not that bad of a film. You know, I own it on various medias, but... Yeah. United Artists put it out on VHS, I think, for Laser a disc version, but yeah, I have that on, like, bootleg Blu-ray stuff. But, <laughs> you know, like, that was the cut that came out. I mean, that's just the way it was. You know, people aren't going to delete the Let It Be album when let it be naked came out yeah know? no you can't you can't you can't cancel culture that as much as with the west the world we're in now and i understand that respect it but you can't that you can't do that to that so i mean yeah there's no extras on the get back stuff but then again the pandemic gave you the extras of six additional hours you know and uh so like it was supposed to be just a theatric film release two and a half hours right and then they made it eight which I th- may would have felt the same way I felt about living the material world documentary as well as uh, eight days a week. Kind of like, okay, I've seen it, but I underwhelmed a bit. So, yeah, I'm glad it did what I'm glad it kind of got released the way it did, you know, kind of cool. like anthology esque. Very much so, yeah. Um, cool, cool. So, I've got uh, two concerts upcoming in this fall. I've got. Uh, Steve Hackett, I'm going to see in October in New York, the Genesis original guitarist during the Phil um, Peter Gabriel era. And then in um, November, I'm going to see Bob Dylan. <laughs> nice. So, How many times have you seen Bob? Uh, just twice. Okay. I haven't seen him. At all? At all. Maybe yeah, I only, should. Maybe you I should. should. I, mean, I think you should just up, to get up there, but, just yeah. to go see him. And uh, yeah. I, if he's coming to your area, his just I would go. He's it's known mo- mostly his new album, uh, three years old now, Rough and Rowdy Ways, which is good. Um, it's an experience. Um, I'm getting, I'm fortunately, I'm going to see him up close with a friend of mine. So, nice. um, I've, and again, I only really became a, a Dylan fan really in the last three years, three mm-hmm. four years, a casual fan. But then yeah. I spent most of the pandemic down the rabbit hole learning his stuff. So again, what's what you do? I mean, I think I'd be broke with all his releases, which oh. I'm like, God, I wish. Yeah, some of my favorite bands did those kind of releases. Right now, here's something series. he the bootleg series. Like if they followed it, what he does, man, would would you have everything of Paul? Think about it. If Paul followed Bob's lead with that, forget oh, about. it. Can you it. imagine being a Bob Dylan and Neil Young fan? I think yeah, it's just like 
a plethora of all releases, but yeah. I need you to maybe convince me, is it worth, wow, should I see Peter Gabriel? I think he's coming next weekend or I, two weeks. I, yeah, I would, I would go see him. Because there's actually, here's my issue, not seeing too many big bands anymore that I missed out or have seen years ago. I'm not paying some of those prices, but I saw upper level at the Little Caesars Arena, 50 bucks. That's fine. That's a good, like, hey, I'm curious. Yes. Even lower level was 75. That's not Ma bad. Main floor is kind of like 250. These are like McCartney non-VIP prices. I'm just like, that's fine, you know? So he's coming next a week and a half. So there's Tony Levin on bass. From yeah, you, uh, the you should King go. The great King Crimson. King and, Crimson, Tony Levin, um, yeah. bassist on Double Fantasy. Yeah. And to, to connect it to so you. So I'm almost... Maybe I just walk up to the box office and get a ticket because it's not sold out and they're somewhat affordable. Now I have an issue with the Eagles and I, oh. like I saw them in '03 in the at the Palace of Auburn Hills for seventy five bucks off the main floor in the back, straight ahead, perfect. Mm -hmm. It's like one seventy five before fees for like the last row on the upper level, and I can't do that, you know, like. They're, 170 I think, without fees for, without the, for fees. the top of the top? No. Yeah. No. no. And I think they're trying to fight off the secondary market, you know, StubHub. And they're doing a good job at it. But I'm like, oh, God. Like, I saw them already with Glenn Fry, you know. So, but I saw the Peter Gabriel tickets. Like, ooh. Go. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big Peter Gabriel fan, but I'm, I know some of those songs. Just like, he's, he's one. Of, he, he knows how to put on a show, you yeah. know. And, uh. Because he's he he doesn't tour, and I got to meet him last fall. Oh, nice. I, yeah, I don't know the last time he really did a big tour. I'm not a big follower of his. I want to say, well, he did a years? tour with Sting about ten years ago. Okay, oh, that and before that, show. it would be before you know, um, yeah. long time before. He doesn't he doesn't tour that often, and he pumps. You know, he's very slow with his works. You know, his work schedule. So I, if you have a chance to go and it's a reasonable ticket, just go to say you saw him. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but it, and check for Dylan too, because I'm sure he's coming your way, and maybe you can find a, a, a decent price ticket there. Yeah, hopefully it comes to like the Fox Theater in Detroit. It's a smaller. Uh, theater. He only plays the smaller theaters. He's not going to play a big arena. He's not going to play a. He's not going to play a twenty thousand. I guess I could appreciate place. that, or maybe, or maybe that's what the market's dictating. But yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm seeing him for two hundred dollars, and I okay. think I'm in. I'm in the ninth row. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. So. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to share here with the no, Two Legs is, audiences uh, here and uh, for episode 222? Two, 222. Two, two. I mean, can you imagine if Tom was on here? We'd be all two twos, you know. <laughs> Which I think is funny because that's the record that we both got as the um, the white label promo in the 7-inch box singles thing. Tom that's Tom, oh, Tom and I no, both got that right. same one. <laughs> Who would have so. thought? Yeah. Did you get did you get that too or no? No, I passed on that. You did pass. Okay, yeah. I thought you might have grabbed that one. I passed on the Beatles single set in 2019 after the Abbey Road release, and I passed on that. But the single, oh, the, the blue singles box one, yeah, yeah. that's a nice one. Yeah. So, but no, I will, like, again, thank you for inviting me on, filling in for the great Tom Hanyati. No, but, no problem, David. Thank you for uh, for filling in here for your your cousin and your original co-host. And uh, like I said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be sitting here. So I would like to thank you for coming up with this idea to do a show um, all those years ago, as the song goes, with, with your cousin. And uh, uh, happy to have you back on any time there's anything relevant, and you and I will do our, we'll geek out with our progressive rock and classic rock yeah. stuff. 
Sounds good, man. Thank you so much. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Two Legs. We will see you next week, and I think Tom will be back, and we will have more stuff in the fire, um, more guests. We're going to do. We're going to get to that other George Harrison deep dive with Owen Ling. We're going to. That's in the. That's in the cards as well. More authors, um, stuff with just Tom and I. So we have plenty to go in the pipeline, and we look forward to seeing you then. So we will see you next time on Two Legs. So have a great day and a beautiful night. As the man says, see ya. Tom Hanyadi and Andy Nichols with musical contributions by Dylan.